podcast. I hope that it helps you to relax and maybe fall asleep a little more easily. I plan to post monthly whispered episodes on this podcast. I will be posting weekly whispered episodes on my main podcast, which is simply titled Sleep Whispers. If that interests you, then there is a link in the show notes, or you can just search for Sleep Whispers in your podcast player. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. New Coke. I remember this this moment in history. In 1985, Coke decided to swap out their current formula for Coke and introduce a a new and different tasting Coke. And people went nuts. They lost their minds. I even remember my my mother being devastated. So, why'd they do it? Were they genuinely trying to improve their product? Or perhaps were there some hidden agendas that weren't being revealed to the public? Well, um, going to tell you about this fascinating history and possible conspiracies behind what many consider as the biggest marketing blunder in history. Or perhaps, was it marketing genius? Here is what you all learn about. Coke failed to listen to early market testing before they launched their new flavor. What was the official name for this new version of Coke? And hint, it wasn't new Coke. Why did they remove the old formula instead of just adding a new formula? How long was the old Coke off the market and the new Coke on the market. What is the problem with making marketing decisions based on taste tests? Coke drinkers were not the only angry group. Who was the other major angry group? also played heavily in New Coke being removed from the market. Advertisements for New Coke were booed heavily by a massive crowd of thousands of people when they appeared where. What did Fidel Castro have to say about the New Coke? Pepsi get a huge boost in sales because of New Coke. 
future sales of Coke plummet due to this dumb decision. And I'll finish this episode by sharing three fascinating conspiracy theories about New Coke that might help to explain this strange moment in history. select sections from the Wikipedia article titled New Coke. New Coke was the unofficial name for the reformulation of Coca-Cola introduced in April 1985 by the Coca-Cola company to replace the original formula of its flagship soft drink
at the time favored Pepsi by even more overwhelming margins than the market as a whole. Coca-Cola's senior executives commissioned a secret project to create a new flavor for Coke. The sweeter cola overwhelmingly beat both regular Coke and Pepsi in taste tests, surveys, and focus groups. Asked if they would buy and drink the product if it were Coca-Cola. Most testers said they would, although it would take some getting used to. About 10 to 12% of testers felt angry and alienated at the thought and said they might stop drinking Coke altogether. Their presence in focus groups tended to negatively skew results as they exerted indirect peer pressure on other participants. The surveys, which were given more significance by standard marketing procedures of the era, were less negative than the taste tests and were key in convincing management to change the formula in 1985 to coincide with the drink's centenary. But the focus groups had provided a clue as to how the change would play out in a public context, a data point the company downplayed, but which proved important later. Management rejected an idea to make and sell the new flavor as a separate variety of Coca-Cola. A new variety of Coke in competition with the main variety could also have cannibalized Coke sales and increased the proportion of Pepsi drinkers relative to Coke drinkers. It was decided that the containers carry the word new on the label which gave the drink its popular name of New Coke. New Coke was introduced on April 23, 1985. Production of the original formulation ended later that week. In many areas, New Coke was initially introduced in old Coke packaging. Bottlers used up remaining cans, cartons, and labels before new packaging was widely available. Old cans containing new Coke were identified by their gold-colored tops, while glass and plastic bottles had red caps instead of silver and white, respectively. The next section is about the initial acceptance and then the subsequent acceptance of New Coke. As soon as New Coke was introduced, the new formula was available at McDonald's and other drink fountains in the United States. 
sales figures from those cities and other areas where it had been introduced showed a reaction that went as the market research had predicted. In fact, Coke sales were up 8% over the same period as the year before. Most Coke drinkers resumed buying the new Coke at much the same level as they had the old one. Surveys indicated that the majority of regular Coke drinkers liked the new flavoring. Three quarters of the respondents said they would buy new Coke again. Despite new Coke's acceptance with a large number of Coca-Cola drinkers, many more resented the change in formula and were not shy about making that known. Just as had happened in the focus groups. Many of these drinkers were Southerners, some of whom considered Coca-Cola a fundamental part of their regional identity. Company headquarters in Atlanta began receiving letters and telephone calls expressing anger or deep disappointment. The company received over 40,000 calls and letters, including one letter that was addressed to, quote, Chief Dodo, the Coca-Cola company, end quote. The company hotline received over 1,500 calls a day, compared to about 400 before the change. A psychiatrist whom Coke had hired to listen in on calls told executives that some people sounded as if they were discussing the death of a family member. Comedians and talk show hosts, including Johnny Carson and David Letterman, made regular jokes mocking the switch. Ads for New Coke were booed heavily when they appeared on the scoreboard at the Houston Astrodome. Even Fidel Castro, a longtime Coca-Cola drinker, contributed to the backlash, calling New Coke a sign of American capitalist decadence. Executives met with international Coke bottlers in Monaco. The bottlers were not interested in selling new Coke. Even amidst consumer anger and several Pepsi ads mocking Coca-Cola's debacle, Pepsi actually gained very few long-term converts over Coke Switch. Coca-Cola's director of corporate communications realized over time Consumers were more upset about the withdrawal of the old formula than the taste of the new one. Some Coca-Cola executives had quietly been arguing for a reintroduction of the old formula as early as May. By mid-June, when soft drink sales usually start to rise 
numbers showed that New Coke was leveling among consumers. Executives feared social peer pressure was now affecting their bottom line. Some consumers even began trying to obtain old Coke from overseas, where the new formula had not yet been introduced. Over the course of the month, Coca-Cola's chemists also quietly reduced the acidity level of the new formula. They were hoping to reduce complaints about the flavor and allow its sweetness to be better perceived. In addition to the noisier public protests, boycotts, and bottles being emptied into the streets of several cities, the company had more serious reasons to be concerned. Its bottlers were expressing serious concern. Most of them saw great difficulty having to promote and sell a drink that had long been marketed as the real thing, constant and unchanging, now that it had been changed. On June 23rd, several of the bottlers took these complaints to Coca-Cola executives in a private meeting. With the company now fearing boycotts, not only from its consumers, but its bottlers, talks about reintroducing the old formula moved from if to when. Finally, the Coca-Cola board decided that enough was enough, and plans were set in motion to bring back the old Coke. The next section is about the return of the original Coke. Coca-Cola executives announced the return of the original formula during the afternoon of July 11th, 78 days after New Coke's introduction. ABC News' Peter Jennings interrupted General Hospital with a special bulletin to share the news with viewers. On the floor of the U.S. Senate, David Pryor called the reintroduction, quote, a meaningful moment in U.S. history, end quote. The new product continued to be sold and retained the name Coca-Cola until 1992 when it was renamed Coke II. The original formula was renamed Coca-Cola Classic, and for a short time it was referred to by the public as Old Coke. Some who tasted the reintroduced formula were not convinced that the first batches really were the same formula they had supposedly been retired that spring. This was not true for all regions, but it was actually true for a few regions because some were using high fructose corn syrup instead of cane sugar to sweeten the reintroduced Coca-Cola Classic. 
by the end of 1985, Coca-Cola Classic was substantially outselling both New Coke and Pepsi. Six months after the rollout, Coke sales had increased at more than twice the rate of Pepsi's. New Coke sales dwindled to a 3% share of the market. Later research, however, suggested that it was not the return of Coca-Cola Classic, but instead the nearly unnoticed introduction of Cherry Coke. This new Coke flavor appeared almost simultaneously with New Coke and can be credited with the company's success in 1985. The Coca-Cola Company spent a considerable amount of time trying to figure out where it had made a mistake. It ultimately concluded that it had underestimated the public reaction of the portion of the customer base that would be alienated by the switch. Bottles and cans continued to bear the Coca-Cola Classic title until January 2009, when the company announced it would stop printing the word classic on the labels of some of the products. No one at Coca-Cola was fired or otherwise held responsible for what is still widely perceived as a misstep for the simple reason that it ultimately wasn't. In 1997, the company's share price was well above 16 years earlier, and its position as a market leader was even more firmly established. In the short run, the reintroduction of original Coca-Cola saved Coke sales figures and brought it back in the good graces of many customers and bottlers. Phone calls and letters to the company were as joyful and thankful as they had been angry and depressed. McDonald's announced shortly after the reintroduction of Coca-Cola Classic that it was immediately switching from New Coke back to original Coca-Cola at all of its restaurants. New Coke had the spotlight for only three months in 1985, but it casts a long shadow in both the business world and popular culture that can still be seen. It is most frequently mentioned as a cautionary tale among businesses against tampering too extensively with a well-established and successful brand. The next section is about the problems with taste tests. Malcolm Gladwell relates his conversations with market researchers in the food industry who put most of the blame for the failure of New Coke on the flawed nature of taste tests. They claim most are subject to 
systematic biases. Tests such as the Pepsi Challenge were sip tests, meaning that drinkers were given small samples, less than a can or bottle's worth, to try. Gladwell contends that what people say they like in these tests may not reflect what they actually buy to drink at home over several days. Carol Dollard, who once worked in product development for Pepsi, told Gladwell, quote, I've seen many times where this sip test will give you one result, and the home use test will give you the exact opposite, end quote. For example, Although many consumers react positively to the sweeter taste of Pepsi in small volumes, it may become unattractively sweet when drunk in large quantities. Coke, on the other hand, may be more attractive for drinking in large volumes because it is less sweet. A more comprehensive testing regimen could possibly have revealed this, Gladwell sources believe. Coke considered but rejected gradually changing the drink's flavor incrementally without announcing they were doing so. Executives feared the public would notice and exaggerate slight differences in taste. In 1998, a professor of food marketing tested this flavor-balance hypothesis and argued that it wasn't true. He and a fellow researcher tested mixtures of Coca-Cola Classic and Coke Two, and found that the gradual changes of taste were not noticed by a significant number of tasters. Coke, he said, would have succeeded had it chosen this strategy. The last section will be about three conspiracy theories related to New Coke. The Coca-Cola Company's apparently sudden reversal on New Coke led to several rumors and conspiracy theories. These theories have circulated in the years since to explain how a company with the resources and experience of Coca-Cola could have made such an obvious and colossal blunder. Conspiracy theory number one. The company intentionally changed the formula, hoping consumers would be upset with the company and demand the original formula to return, which in turn would cause sales to spike. Someone from the company answered this speculation by saying, quote, We're not that dumb, and we're not that smart, end quote. Conspiracy theory number two. The putative switch was planned all along to cover the change from sugar-sweetened Coke to much less expensive high-fructose corn syrup. In 
this theory was supposedly given credence by the apparently different taste of Coke Classic when it first hit the market. The U.S. Sugar Trade Association took out a full-page ad criticizing Coke for using high-fructose corn syrup in all bottling of the old formula when it was reintroduced. In fact, Coca-Cola began allowing bottlers to remove up to half of the product's cane sugar as early as 1980, five years before the introduction of New Coke. By the time the new formula was introduced, most bottlers had already sweetened Coca-Cola entirely with high-fructose corn syrup. Conspiracy Theory Number 3 It provided a cover for the final removal of all coca derivatives from the product to placate the Drug Enforcement Administration because the coca plant is also the source of cocaine. It is true that Coke's executives were indeed relieved the new formula contained no coca. It is also true that they were concerned about the long-term future of coca fields that supplied it in the face of increasing DEA pressure to end cultivation of the coca crop. However, there was no direct pressure from the DEA on Coca-Cola to do so. This theory was endorsed in a Time magazine article as well as by a historian who claims the reformulation was made in response to the escalating war on drugs by the Reagan administration. So why did Coca-Cola initially take all Coke off the market and introduce new Coke? The truth is out there somewhere. This concludes the Whisperpedia episode. I hope you are deeply relaxed.